Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner, and it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Hello, Clear Choices listeners. Welcome to another episode of Clear Choices. This is your host, Rob Eigner. I am really excited to introduce this guest to you today. Uh, we share a very interesting and common history that I'm, we're going to dive into here in a little bit. Uh, so let me introduce you to Sue Kern Wendell. She's one of four daughters of Holocaust survivors. Her mother, Alice, and her father, Hugo um, Cohn, originally that name was changed to Kern in the 1950s. They are from Romania and Austria, respectively. Uh, along with Diana Linderman, she is the co-coordinator of the Next Generations Group in Portland, Oregon. The mission of the group is to keep stories and lessons of the Holocaust alive and relevant, which is more important than ever right now. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Social Services and a MS in Communication from Portland State University. Uh, she's an adjunct instructor in public speaking at Portland Community College, and in her free time, I can't believe she has any, but in her free time, she runs an Israeli and international folk dance session. Welcome, Sue. How are you today? Thank you. I'm fine. Nice to be here. I appreciate you being here. So, so you know, we have a very common history, and I've talked a fair amount um, in some of my episodes on my show about being the child of Holocaust survivors. So let's start off by just saying, how's that experience been for you? When you think of being the daughter of Holocaust survivors, what comes up for you? It's something that I never really had to think about when you're born into a family, and when you have three sisters, it just felt normal. It was like a normal thing. I, I didn't really think about it in any way until I got a little older and started learning some of the history. And when my mother would start speaking more to us about it, then I sort of had to start piecing things together. And I think for me and many others, that piecing together the story and how you fit into it never really ends. And there's always new things you discover and, and new ways the story goes. I, I so appreciate you saying that because it, it feels and sounds very similar to my unraveling of my parents' history. How old were you when you first kind of put it together? <laughs> when I started putting it together? One of my first memories was watching my mother, Alice, get ready to go out. And she was always a very fancy dresser. She was very beautiful. But she would have this tube of lipstick, but it was beige colored. And she'd put it across, she'd smear it across her arm where her uh, concentration camp tattoo was. And I would watch her do it. It was just this perfect straight line covering these sort of blue faded numbers. And I was about five years old, and I asked her, you know, what are those numbers on your arm? 
And she kind of looked at me and she goes, oh, that's Hitler's phone number. And I'm just like, okay, I was five years old. Okay. And then I just went off and played and didn't really think about it. So like, that's one of my first memories. Wow. That is, that's that. I love that she, I mean, maybe, I don't know if she was thinking of it in a humorous way, but I find that humorous. And I, I love, <laughs> I, I love that she, she coined it in a, few, uh, a humorous way. A total aside, like this wasn't one of my planned interview questions, but since you brought it up, you know, my wife and I, my father never got tattooed, um, even though he spent almost two years in various camps. And my wife and I have thought of taking his number because he still has a number on his documentation. Mm -hmm. He just didn't have it tattooed. And we were thinking of tattooing it on our arms as a oh, yeah. commemoration of yes. my father, uh, his experience. So I just thought I'd, I thought you'd appreciate hearing that. I, I have heard of that before too and i think it's a very courageous thing to do yeah i appreciate you saying that so you know this this show is called clear choices and the first question i want to ask you as it relates to your choices is you've obviously dedicated a lot of time and energy into this second generation group so why did you make that choice why is it important well my mother of course was a a speaker. She went around to schools. My three sisters were involved in helping her do that. And I was also involved in helping her. We each had our own unique way of helping. And, you know, it was just a choice, I think, that first of all, you make as, as a, a child helping your parent. You know, it just felt like the right thing to do. And then about nine years ago, my cousin, Diana Lindemann, who is the co-coordinator of this Next Generations group, wanted to start a group. And there had been various groups started in the Portland, Oregon area over the years. So this was another reiteration of that. And she needed help. And so I said, I'll do it. Again, it just felt like the right thing to do and the timing was the right time to do it. So two questions. Uh, and thank you for that. How has it helped you spending time on this subject and how do you think it's helped those that have engaged with your organization? People come to our group for different reasons. We have survivors that actually come. We have second generation, third generation and we even have people who are, who were refugees, say, who left Europe in the 1930s when things started getting bad. And then we have children of those people. Plus, we have people who are just share, who just share our mission and they want to help us keep stories alive and relevant. And I think the way it helps all of us is something more general in that when you have a situation or a unique situation or a problem, when you're around other people who share that in common with you, it's validating, it's comforting, it's like you get a lot of head nods, oh yeah, I understand that, or wow, I was that same thing happened to me growing up. It just uh, creates this connection and this way to kind of release a lot of um, uncertainties or tensions that you have had. 
over the years. So, so, and that, that leads me to a, an, another question. Um, and that is, what would you say, cause I know there's a lot of positive residue, if you will, that's passed on to us from our parents having been survivors and actually a, a quote I'll read you in a second relates to that. But what do you think of, has been some of the baggage maybe that you carry? Cause I know I carry some related to my parents' experience. Oh boy. Okay. You got a couple hours. <laughs> no. Um, you know, I have to just say that, that compared to other people I have met, especially through this group and through a couple of conferences that I've been at, I've been pretty lucky. My parents, I remember my dad saying, anger will eat you up inside. And he said that to my mother a lot. And then she told us that. So I've been pretty lucky. I think maybe some of the baggage is maybe feeling a little guilty, you know, that I have it so good and they didn't have it so good, or maybe wanting to make sure that their lives are as comfortable and happy as they can be. So that puts a little bit of burden on a child, worrying a little bit about your parents, you know, are they okay? You want them to be happy. And have you have you made any choices around that to make sure, you know, you've got a, a healthy perspective or a life balance around that that particular concern? Well, I think growing up, I never I didn't want to make them angry. I was I was pretty good, didn't get into a lot of trouble. So, you know, trying to make their parenting as easy as possible was a choice that I did make. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so here, I, I'm going to share this quote now, just because the, the way our conversation has gone, it's, it's the ideal time. So this is from a, a medical journal, and they, they're talking specifically about children of Holocaust survivors. And the quote is, while trauma can be transmitted and it has been proven to be transmitted across the generations, so too can resilience. Resilient traits such as adaptability, initiative, and tenacity that enabled survivor parents to survive the Holocaust may have also been passed on to their children. I absolutely agree with that. And I think that as second generation, there was a lot of focus on the trauma. And now there's a lot of focus on the resilience and I, I think that's important. And do you feel, do you feel that's a choice? Like the choice of what to focus on? Cause it's so easy, I think for, and I'm not just talking about the Holocaust, but that's what we're talking about now. I think it's easy when anyone's been a victim of any kind of atrocity, you know, it's, it's natural and maybe easier to kind of look at the negative impact, but it's a, a choice that can be made that, Hey, there's been some positive impact on me and my family as a result of having survived this thing? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a choice to focus on the negative. It's a choice to focus on the positive. And when you can understand what each of those choices results in, because you are what you think, you are what you choose. And yes, you can choose to be a victim, but what does that result in? Mm-hmm. And if you choose resilience and, and other positive reactions, then I think you'll have a more satisfying life. 
Agree, agree, a hundred percent. So I have another question. So you know, you're you've been in the, you know, the social eye a bit with this group. I mean, I know you don't have thousands and thousands of members, but you know, nonetheless, you're on social media and in the public eye uh, related to a, a Holocaust organization. And so I'm curious if there's ever been any public backlash or any kind of negativity you've received uh, because of that, you know, especially when you think of what's going on in our world today. I'm, I'm curious if anything's ever come up. I am really happy to say never. I have gotten nothing but positive feedback, positive responses, support from organizations in Portland And now that we're all virtual, our group is reaching all over the world. So I'm happy to say we've been very lucky. Now, given what is going on in the world right now, it's a pretty tumultuous time from a social justice point of view. How how does that help you frame or reframe how you see your organization and its mission as it relates to what's going on in the world right now? Well, When we first started the group, you know, we were thinking second generation. Then we opened it up to third generation, and then some survivors wanted to come to some of our events. And then then we had, like, a woman whose father was a liberator. So she's not Jewish, but her father was a liberator at Dachau. And so we said, sure, come to the group. So we're really open and porous for people who want to come and share their stories of, you know, genocide or, you know, other kinds of problems that they may have for who they are. So I'm, I'm really proud to say that, that we do have non-Jewish people in this group, but they are connected in some way through, through the liberators or through hiding a, a child in Europe or things like that. Do, do you think that the the legacy of your organization or the legacy of the Holocaust for that matter, do things change as survivors start to fade out, you know, age out, you know, there, there, there's very few left to tell their actual firsthand account. So, so talk to me about that. Well, it's a very, it's a very interesting topic and I've gone to um, this conference. It's called, I have to read it because it's such a long name. The World Federation of Jewish Child Survivors of the Holocaust and Descendants. Nice. And what you have there are survivors, child survivors, hidden children, children who were transported during the Holocaust, third generation, maybe even some fourth generation And each generation has a different way of of living and telling this story. For example, as a child of Holocaust survivors, many of us are becoming speakers. And when we go into the schools, do we tell our parents' story or do we tell, do we inject our, a layer of how we feel about our parents' story. Yeah, I, I have the same question for myself, so I'm curious mm-hmm. what, what conclusions you've reached. I think I would say it's half and half. Well, no, it's probably more two Gs talk about their parents. Like my sister, Debbie Montrose, will go into a school 
and she kind of channels my mom and she just talks as if it's my mom's story. But other two G's may bring in what it was like growing up as a child of survivors or bring in other concepts like bullying and how can we transfer some of these stories. And then when you have three G's, grandchildren of survivors, they come in and they, it's interesting, they talk about their grandparents, not their parents. I mean, not all of them, but what I'm seeing is three mm-hmm. G's are more focused on their grandparents and not their parents. So the stories change that way. Yeah, I think um, I to your point, I think I have found that, you know, because I've done both. I've channeled my parents, to use your phrase, and then I've also integrated my experience. And I find that, I mean, both are effective and both, you know, make a difference. And yet I think that integrating a little bit of my experience into it or my personal experience makes it more authentic, where you're not just telling someone's history, but rather you're telling a history and then I'm the living version of how it landed in this, in, you know, in, on, yeah. in how it landed on me. So mm-hmm. I, I, I find that that has more resonance with the, with the audience typically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So speaking of the audience, I know that you have an event coming up. So tell us about that. So in 19, in 2004, the Oregon Holocaust Memorial was dedicated in Washington Park. So this year is the 20th, 16th anniversary Oregon Holocaust Memorial. And since it was, since its dedication, we have had small private events there. And because of the pandemic we're dealing with, the Next Generations group decided to try and have a virtual commemoration. And We've also added a theme to it, the theme being what the memorial means to me. Mm-hmm. Invited stakeholders of the memorial and members of the Next Generations group and then members of the Jewish community and others to come to this event. And we've never done it before, so it'll be, it'll be a first time. That's exciting. That's awesome. Um, I will, uh, I will want to be in attendance that to that event myself. So, um, a question, uh, another question would be, has there been anything surprising or enlightening that you've learned by doing this work or that you've seen other people, whether 1G, 2G, 3G, I feel like I'm talking about bandwidth on a phone, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but is there, has there been something like, wow, that was really a surprising outcome or or just something that, you know, like any kind of story or incident that really stands out to you as particularly powerful? Well, I think there's just, there's so many. Um, some of them have to do with, we'll be, we'll be at a, we call them get togethers instead of meetings. And we'll have a speaker and they'll mention where their parents were from or their grandparents were from. And then one of our group members will say, oh, you know, my mom was from that village or my grandparents were from that town. And um, in fact, it happened with me personally. One of our members' father was born in Siget, Romania. Mm -hmm. And that's where my mother was from. 
And then, you know, other things that happen, especially with things like 23andMe, mm-hmm. we'll find that someone in our group is our distant cousin, and we can't figure out how, but we can isolate it to maybe a country or an area. Oh, so when those kinds of connections happen, it's it's pretty powerful. Yeah, and it, ma- it makes the whole experience more more visceral, like more real. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. So, you know, you, so you've made a choice to really, you know, in, in your, in your work at the community college and in, in the, the majors that you've selected as a student yourself, you know, obviously you've made a choice to sort of uh, focus your life on having a positive impact in the world. So for people that are listening uh, and, and, and whatever cause that they might be tied to, how would you, what, what, guidance can you give them should they choose to try to have create a group like you've created just to, you know as a starting point like what what kind of advice would you give if someone wants to make that choice well i think you know the choice has to be authentic and it has to come from your heart and so if there's really something you want to do my mom always used to say if you want to start something have a tea party get a few people together throw around some ideas and, and see if there's enough interest to start something. So it's, it's the choice has to come really from, from deep inside you. You have to be passionate about it because it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of creativity. But if you can find just a few people that share that passion and can carry that energy along, that really helps. Then you're on your way. Mm Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Now, you, you'd mentioned that your your mother wrote a book. What was the name of the book, and how would someone find it? It's called Tapestry of Hope, and I think it's on Amazon, or you can go to, we have a memorial website for her, alicekern.com, and you can go there and email us, and we'll we'll get a copy to you. Awesome. I I appreciate you sharing that. And then um, I have your Facebook page up here uh, for those who want to take a look. It's, and this will be in the show notes listeners, but it's facebook.com slash next generations group PDX. So if you go to facebook.com slash next generations group PDX, you can find and learn a little bit more about this group and maybe others in, in different parts of the country or the world, depending on where you are. So I want to share with you, Sue, another another quote um, that I think is really relevant. This one's from Eli Wiesel. And the quote is, I swore never to be silent whenever and wherever human beings endure suffering and humiliation. We must take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. So in your work, I feel like you're helping um, people to be less silent. You're, you're causing them to be more open and vocal. How does that all land on you? Well, I think there was a time years ago when you had a lot of people who were denying the Holocaust. Right. And that's when survivors started saying, wait a minute. We're not going to be silent anymore. We have got to tell our story. The world needs to know that this really happened. And 
it's so important to speak out. And now when the survivors, as you mentioned earlier, are getting older, the child survivors, the hidden children of the Holocaust, second generation and so on, it's just important to talk about this. And what I, what I like what is happening is that they're, they're bringing in other issues like bullying or racism or being kind to others, helping others. The stories we're telling now, that's what, you know, part of our mission is to keep them relevant. And in order to do that, you have to bring in all these other important things, too. I really, I really appreciate what you're saying. That's very poignant and, and sadly more poignant and important now than ever. Uh, and I can't tell you how important I think the work is that you're doing and how you're, you know, you're really creating a vehicle for people to be more, more vocal and, and less silent. So I really appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you. Well, I appreciate what you're doing too. It's a, uh, it's all shedding a little light, right? <laughs> I know that with that, we do some similar kinds of things and I really think it does make a difference. Yeah, I, I agree, Sue, very much. I think we are, uh, we're both trying to shed light on similar issues. And I think more than ever now, our, our, uh, our work and our missions are, are super timely and important. So thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you again for having me. It was a pleasure. Awesome. All right. This has been another episode of Clear Choices. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, too, if you are interested in uh, private coaching and consulting, you can contact me through clearchoices.live. This is Rob Eigner. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well, so check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.